imposters to the you're not qualified podcast episode number 40 we made it to the big four zero so exciting 10 more to 50 we are living for it love it thank you for being here it's because of you and your engagement and your involvement that i'm still here so thank you for listening thank you for joining and if this is your first time welcome my name is Courtney Heater. I'm the host of the You're Not Qualified podcast, and every Thursday we have on a guest that chats about their experience through imposter syndrome and what that means to them. It could be career-wise, it could be hobbies, it could be anything that has set them back in their life in terms of feelings of self-doubt, feelings of low self-worth, and not fully understanding what they were capable of, and then coming to and realizing that they could move mountains. That's why we're here, and that's why I'm here, to encourage you to go move those damn mountains, because you can. I think that this conversation today is so timely and important. So we are in the midst of intense tech layoffs, and if you pair that with the time of year we are currently in, January, February, the early months of a new year are very common for people to start new jobs. People are leaving on their own accord, leaving their current companies on their own accord, though they are also being let go. So as you probably know, it's really hard to avoid the news in this regard. The workforce looks different than it has in years prior. And in the last year, 140,000 jobs were made redundant tons of those in the tech industry. Company after company is laying off 3%, 5%, 10%, 13%, 20%, whatever, 50% in some instances of their workforce. Needless to say, people are flocking to the companies that are still hiring in droves. And this might be a hot take, but I'm going to say this and I hope you're just going to write this down and put it in your pocket. Just because you may really need another job, does not mean you must undersell your abilities and accept monetary compensation that is less than what you are valued at. Okay, don't accept compensation that is less than what you are valued at, less than you deserve. Don't do it. You don't have to do that. You deserve to be paid well, no matter the circumstances that led you to seeking new employment. I'll say it again. You deserve to be paid well no matter the circumstances that led you to where you are. I don't believe in no one's scenarios. So to further drive the point and help you understand how to advocate for yourself and the importance of advocating for yourself, we welcome Mia Smithson. Mia is a brilliant and driven negotiator with a very impressive background of making an amazing life for herself. And she has a startup that aims to help women get paid $30,000 more than they are currently getting paid. So I will stop talking and we're gonna get into the good stuff. You ready? Let's go. Permission to come aboard, Captain. Today we are chatting with Mia Smithson. She is a master negotiator, founder and CEO of the 30K program. And she is here to tell us about how she started the program, basically how her background led her to being a founder and CEO and being qualified to coach women through negotiating their wages in the corporate world or may, maybe wherever life takes them, negotiating for themselves, and uh, a little bit about how you can do the same in your life. So thank you so much for being with us, Mia. I'm excited to be here. So let's go ahead and just start with setting the tone of the conversation. We want to accomplish two goals today. I would love to connect your background to what you're doing now, any transferable skills that you can pick out, moves you've made to get to where you are as a CEO and a coach, um, really promising kind of high impact deliverables for those people with $30,000 more is what they can make if they work with you, uh, which is an awesome thing to strive for. And then I would also really love to get into kind of a mini coaching session that attempts to accomplish just that and help the listeners negotiate their higher salaries at their next merit increase. Or if they're looking to change jobs, we were talking a little bit before we hit record where this is the time of year people do that, January and February. 
Uh, they look for new jobs. Also, we're in the midst of performance reviews at your current job. So you have opportunities to really advocate for yourself. Let's jump into the background if you're ready. Amazing. Yeah. So I started the 30K program because of my background in corporate America. So over a seven year time span, I scaled my career to the global director of talent management, overseeing hiring and leadership development for a global workforce of 800, right around 800. And the program started after I found out that I was underpaid by roughly $30,000. Not news anybody wants to hear. Mm -hmm. So I hired a coach. I learned how to negotiate. And I ended up getting three promotions within a year. Yeah, which I know is not common. Yeah, Um, but that was honestly the the result. So yeah, but I started the 30K program because I know what that gender pay gap feels like, right? And I've done about 5,000 interviews at this point in time. And I will tell you, like, of the 5,000 interviews, I mean, there has been at least a 1,000 of those interviews where women have undersold themselves and their experience, right? And so, yeah, to me, this is like one of the most important needs to solve, right? Like seeing it in my own personal life and then also hearing all of these women struggling with the same thing. I'm like, hold up a sec. We got this. Something's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. When you discovered that, did you talk to a male coworker that was doing your same job when you discovered Uh, you were underpaid? I didn't have any coworkers, anyone at the company doing my same job. Mm. And the person who told me that like was a male. So I was like, I don't know. It was, it was, and here's the thing, right? Like there's, I'm not sitting here blaming anybody, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, like I honestly didn't know the skills I needed to know to effectively negotiate, but yeah, it was a jaw dropping realization. Yeah, I could only imagine. And I can't wait to get into the five five races in a year. Is that what you said? Well, no, I got three promotions within a year. Three promotions in so, a year. Yep. Yeah. That's Which incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unheard of. But you did it and now that's why you're doing what you're doing. So <laughs> but like before all of that, even going back to college, um, that's, uh, you know, a lot of people go to college and they don't always do what they went to college for, for the rest of their lives. But that's not something that they sell you when you're going into college. You have to pick what you're going to do for the rest of your life, right? So you studied journalism and psychology at KU, uh, go Jayhawks. And then about five years later, you went, you were in a pre-doctoral program for, and I loved this word so much, neuropsychopharmacology. I am so excited about this word. I didn't know it existed and it might be the longest one I've ever seen, but they're very different from what you're doing now. So where in here did you realize, because there's a five-year difference between the two that you wanted to do this? Okay. First, the fact that you were able to pronounce that is super impressive. Like anyone <laughs> ever got that word, they're like, wait, say that one more time. So, kudos points there. Thank you. And yeah, so it all started, I'm from a family of doctors. Like hmm. everybody is a doctor. My grandfather, um, neurosurgeon, my dad owns a rehabilitation clinic. And then he also, well, I guess it's part of a hospital, but he owns a practice. And then he also is an expert key witness for medical malpractice lawsuits. So it's like, Mm. it's just really common to be a doctor in my family. Right. And so I was set up in that direction. Right. I did undergrad. I did uh, my pre-doctoral for neuropsychopharmacology, got into one of the top doctoral programs for it. And it was really fascinating because I was doing both, right? I was working as a technical recruiter. That's how I was 
supporting myself, right? Because I moved out on my own right after college. So I was always needed to support myself, right? Mm-hmm. So I was doing that to pay the bills. And then I was going to school concurrently. And what I was realizing was that like I was falling deeply in love with recruiting. Like I started getting in all of these letters of people's lives who have been forever impacted because of jobs that I've helped them to get. And I literally have stacks full of like letter people. And it was just like, I'm like, man, I didn't even get that. And it was also really fun because I worked at a staffing firm, which was super competitive. And I'm a competitive person. And within my first six months, I was ranked within the first 15% of the 400 recruiters there. My first year, I brought in like 800,000. My second year, I brought in roughly 1.5 million. And I was like, this is exciting. Yeah. And so I had a huge decision to make. I was like, do I want to continue on and like get my doctorate? Or instead, do I want to do something that I'm honestly fallen in love with? And you're very good at. Thank you. And so, yeah, the decision was really hard, but I dropped out of this program and then my parents were like, what are you doing with your life? Because that's literally the entire reason why I moved to Chicago. The entire reason. And and I'm grateful that I made that choice, Mm -hmm. right? Because even though, like, it took my parents a little while to warm up to the idea that it's not going to become a doctor... I just feel really happy with this life that I've created because it's a life true of I guess what's most important to me and what I feel like I was put on this earth to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it really, there's like so many threads of that then through founding the 30K program because you're giving back everything you've learned. Yeah. And that's incredible to these women. That's just amazing. The um, the psychology program at Lawrence, was that even like the top, one of the top in the countries? I think I saw that on your profile or like, why did you so, choose? Yeah. So they, I, for undergrad, I did journalism and then I minored in psychology mm-hmm. and they are one of the top 10 journalism programs in the entire country. And then what I did was an undergrad, like a minor wasn't enough to get into a pre-doctoral program. So then I literally went to LinkedIn and I found all of these practicing neuropsychopharmacologists and I did research, I did training, I did like basically all the credits I needed in order to get into a pre-doctoral, you know, program and then right. a doctoral program. So yeah. So I guess that is the other thing is if anyone is like, oh my gosh, that wasn't like my major, like there's always a way to get into whatever you want to do. It just is about having the mindset and the sheer determination that you will do whatever it takes to make whatever you want happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting that from your personality. <laughs> it's like, if you have your mindset on it, you're going to do it. Yeah, and it yes, it will happen. That is a really good segue to the Founders Institute. 2020. You attended the Founders Institute. Um, But now that you say that, you know, your negotiation skills and your recruiting, you you sparked the love for it a little bit before that. Is that why you chose this program and what led you here? So I have been fascinated by startups for, it was probably right before or I moved to Chicago that mm-hmm. I was first like sort of like really interesting and I was thinking about this because at the time I was like oh well neuropsychopharmacologists primarily work like own their own um practices and so I was like kind of interested in like the startup space in general yeah. and so Founders Institute is really fascinating because they teach you everything you need to know about startups. And so I entered in, I think there were like 40 different CEOs. Um, And then there were only like roughly 10 that actually graduated. And so it was literally Shark Tank on steroids. Oh my God. Every single week 
And it was like almost six months. We had to pitch almost every single week in front of angel and venture capitalists. And they would hold up numbers, right? And yeah, and so, like they were not like the type of people who were like, you know, sugarcoat. And so there were literally like, I can't tell you how many times I heard people like crying afterwards and they would like run out. Some people wouldn't even finish it. And so I had to really get over like a fear of like public speaking. And also I had to really learn how to love rejection. I had to be like, this is so fascinating that like they're giving me this feedback. Like, how can I improve? You know, so like really viewing this objectively and meditation has definitely helped because I'm not like, oh, they're not like insulting me as a person. They're just saying like, like this bitch can be improved, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was fundamental. Like it was there that I learned like, oh, like if you want to fundraise, you do the steps and like it goes, you know, typically you raise your seed round and series A, series B. Like I understood what it, you know, the cornerstones. And Founders Institute is like creme de la creme. They're in like over 80 countries. They have a number of like unicorn startups and unicorn is just, you know, billion dollar valuation. Udemy was a um, Founders Institute company. So they... They're, yeah, they're really, really prominent and like highly regarded in the startup community. So. Okay. And did you, you pursued that to start? Did you know what business you want to start? No, I was thinking at the time, I was like, well, I really like, I want to like help people. Mm-hmm. And so I was initially thinking a CBD probiotic oil. And I developed an oil with my sister and um, created a website. We found it, it was a C Corp and everything. And that's what I pitched. And it was, it was in tandem with everything neuropsychopharmacology, mm-hmm. right? Because I was like, oh, as a practicing neuropsychopharmacologist, I, a lot of, a lot of them give their own products or not, 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 not all of them get their own, but they give products to their patients. And I was like, how cool would it be if I have a product that like, we literally did the R&D for and everything. And so I literally created, I may still have it. And it's like a probiotic CBD oil. And so in all honesty, like my career path has been anything, but like super easy, like on the surface, I think it's looked amazing. But the reality was like, me trying to figure out like what and effectively prioritize. There was literally like a point where I had this idea. I was like rolling it. I, you know, pitched it. We literally had like people reach out to us wanting to invest in our company. And then at the same time, it was right then, it was like right after I finished that, that I dropped out of the neuropsychopharmacology program and I switched jobs, like recruitment positions. And I was like, ah, like, I don't, I don't really know. And I started doing coaching on the side and the coaching was really taking off. And I literally decided, I was like, I cannot work full time and run two companies. Like that is not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And so I literally like decided to just focus. And I said, okay, I'm going to drop this company completely. And now I'm going to just focus in and have, you know, one company and then one day job. And that was it. But that was like really, really hard because as someone who's extremely creative and extremely driven, mm-hmm. honestly, like effectively prioritizing and knowing what to really focus on, that was like the hardest thing. So I normally, in all honesty, I normally never tell people about the neuropsychopharmacology doctoral world. And I normally never, ever bring up the, you know, probiotic CBD startup. I normally never bring this up because it's like, man, like this entire time during the entire seven year period that all this was going on. I was also working as a recruiter. I just worked like a lot of hours. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people who like, well, maybe probably even get on this podcast, like you working like a chore, but I view working, working like a game, like it's super fun. And so it was always like, yeah, get my doctorate and also work as a recruiter. You can do it all. <laughs> you can have it all. Yeah. With the the dedication and the drive. That's an insane amount of stuff on your plate. How did your parents and your family take you moving away from being a doctor? Yeah, I thought, well, my parents were already like, why are you like, they already were not like super pleased that I like left that area. Yeah. And I was like, obviously, like I, 
I'm not going to live in Kansas my entire life. So that was part of it. They were like upset about that. They were upset that I wasn't going to become a doctor. I think at the end of the day though, like what I had to do was like, I had to, I need to realize that like on my deathbed, I'm not going to be like, did I make my parents happy? I'm going to be like, did I make the decisions that are in line with my personal values and morals? And so I use that as the filter because at the end of the day, my parents and I do agree on some things and we do disagree on some things. And that's mm-hmm. easy. And because I have critical thinking, I'm able to write like clearly delineate and love them, even though we have different opinions on things. I was in Kansas for a long time. I wasn't born there, but I also wouldn't have lived there. But that's completely besides the point for like longer than I had to. So I understand where you're coming from for that. Yeah. Now you're by the ocean and Kansas doesn't have the ocean or mountains. So thank you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. They have hills. That's it. Um, So then tying into what you are also currently doing here to the CEO and founder. Yeah. What are these certifications that I happen to find? So from Yale and Harvard, you're pursuing negotiation and well-being certifications, and they are in the works. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. Okay. What transferable skills from your past, if you had to like really specify a couple of them, are helping you in mold yourself further and becoming an even better negotiator? I practice negotiation like daily and coaching women is a huge benefit because we focus so much on negotiation. So I will say there's a lot of career coaching companies out there. If you just Google it, you'll find them. And our sweet spot is we help you find a job that you find deeply meaningful, that you enjoy and that's higher paid, right? So we focus way more on negotiation than almost any career program I know of that's like what I love doing and so I would say that like my entire like seven years as a recruiter I've been like building up into this like of those 5,000 interviews I've had to negotiate in every single one with the candidate I've had to learn all these skills and then like I'm like (laughs) the women in our program they need the best of the best Mm -hmm. and selecting, you know, attending training, like getting these certifications from Harvard and from Yale. It's like, these are obviously creme de la creme. So why not get, get it from, you know, Harvard and 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 Yale. Yale. These are the people writing the books and also for Harvard. Like I'd honestly, I could see myself getting my MBA because like, I really love business and I honestly go apply Ivy League. And yeah. not concurrently with um with what I'm doing, but yeah. But I mean, that's also a, a big thing we talk about on this podcast too. Is do you need a business degree? Honestly, do I need an MBA? For sure not. Yeah, For sure not. I literally, even from Founders Institute, feel like I have the tools that I need to succeed. I think for me, it would be about developing like the relationships. I think that's why I would do it. Yeah, I've heard about that with the MBA. Yep, it's for networking. It's less about like, yeah, like it's less about like, what is the one thing? It's like, you know, maybe I meet someone and they end up being a co-founder in this company. Yeah. Or investing, or maybe, maybe as the 30K program grows, we acquire another company. And it's a founder that I met through a Harvard MBA. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's less about like, sitting in a classroom and learning information, I can already do that. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, why these certifications sound just like perfect then. Do you have a founder, a co-founder for the 30K program or was it just you? Yeah, I don't at this point intentionally. So I don't think I like at this very moment, do I necessarily need one? No, if I were to get a co-founder though, I think I'd want to find like my other half. Like I'd want to find someone who's like super heavy in like operations and finance and I'll handle like sales, marketing, and recruiting. You know, I just like, I'm so picky that like finding the right person, I'm not going to just be like, oh, I need a a co-founder. Although I will say 
Y Combinator, Google Y Combinator co-founder, and they do co-founder matching. I think it's completely free. And Y Combinator is, huh. um, I don't know if your audience is familiar, but Y Combinator essentially is a crazy accelerator. I think they might even have an incubator housed within it. And it's literally how Airbnb, how Uber, how like a ton of unicorn startups started. So it's it's a little bit different, but it's somewhat similar to Founders Institute. So Google that if you want to go back. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Okay. And I'll just add a link to that too in the show notes. So throughout your life and throughout your your business experience, your education experience, you've reinvented yourself. You've reinvented yourself saying ways that are probably very expensive, but you've also, you know, had to have hard conversations with your parents. You've had to have hard conversations with school, probably those folks that were going to like, you know, represent you for a PhD program. Um, there's probably so many nuances to all of that. There are, there are glass ceilings, there's naysayers everywhere, but you have to do you. And you've said that loud and clear like at, on my deathbed, it's only going to be me and it's only going to be my accomplishments. And it's only going to be how I contributed to the world for everybody else that is struggling and they're in positions that you used to be in trying to transition out of something. What advice do you have? for these people that are trying to do what you did? Okay. This is like definitely not the fun advice, but I think it's important. And that is that discomfort is the currency of your dreams. Actually, it's quote by Brooke Steele. And it's my phone background. Here's the situation. Courage feels crappy. Very crappy. When I got three promotions in a year, on paper, amazing. Unicorns and daisies. Reality, I had three different jobs. I had no idea what I was doing. Half the time, I was like, oh my gosh, so much drama. All of a sudden, I'm, you know, on presenting in front of hundreds of people. And I'm like, this is so scary. Like, literally, the drama, right? But at the end of the day, you're going to feel discomfort now or you will feel discomfort later, right? Mm -hmm. Take the dieting example. If you, let's say it's late at night and you've already had one piece of cake. But there's another piece of cake still in the fridge. Now you could eat this piece of cake, but if you consistently eat extra pieces of cake that you are not hungry for, you will gain weight. Your pants will not feel as incredible as they feel right now, right? And so you feel the discomfort of avoiding the second piece of cake, but you feel at the same time, you save yourself that discomfort of the pants not fitting, right? And so what's interesting and that I'm always kind of viewing is like, what is the net benefit of an activity? And I think about this constantly. So like if my net benefit of eating a cake is, let's just say that when I eat it, it has a taste of an eight, but my long-term repercussion is let's say my pants not fitting and I don't really feel great about the decisions I'm making, mm-hmm. right? And maybe that negates in my minus a seven and my total pleasure is actually a one when I look at the future pain that was caused by that, right? So that'd be a, a total pleasure of a one for eating cake, right? Versus the discomfort of avoiding the cake, I would say is negative 3.5. But the actual benefit later when I'm like, my pants feel amazing, I would say at least a positive five, right? Mm -hmm. So now our net benefit is like, what? What did we say? Mm 2.5, right? So it's more than double. And so I'm always kind of like making these like trade-offs and I'll literally write it out sometimes of my like net benefit, you know, where I'm taking into account the short and then the long term. So that is just like a really simple thing to, to think through. And the discomfort is the currency of your dreams. That's incredible. That's like, that is a, a reel on Instagram, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you have like splice that, put it up there for everybody to see that it's such sound. It's sound advice. I love that. Good metaphor. It's not like you always have to make the trade-offs. You just have to know when the right trade-offs should be made, right? You have to like, and that's also being very constant and very specific with your wants. So 
if you have a North Star goal, it's really helpful. You want to get here. You made it maybe said, I want to be a CEO and founder of this company. The company I don't know yet. I don't know what it is, but I do want to be that level in my career. So what's going to get you there? Right. So it's like all like kind of working that backwards, I found to be very helpful. Let's get into your current business then. I think that's kind of a good segue for the 30K program. You can form it into some help for the audience uh, since there's lots of women around our age that listen. So I think it'll be really, really helpful, especially this time of year, as we said. All right. So founder and CEO of the 30K program. What exactly is it? And what do you aim to accomplish? Like, how does your business run? Yeah. So we do, and by we, I mean our team, we do one-on-one coaching for women and it is up to a year. So some people achieve the results in seven months, some people 10 months, it kind of depends, but it's up to a year of coaching. And the 30K number came from that's like the average result that we've seen is an extra 30K increase. So, <laughs> so oh, I see. So it wasn't named that before. No. So I, at first when I started, I started doing coaching on the side and then all like, literally I started tracking like the data of client results. And I was like, oh, this is like super interesting. I'm seeing like a correlation here. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then that number specifically stood out to me because I was underpaid by 30,000. And then I was like, literally this has to be the name of the program because it has like such steep meaning. And so, yeah, it is a year long, or if you get it, the results sooner than it's sooner. And at Q1 is where we architect your career strategy. So that's where we do the short and the long-term full strategy. We have this like assumption testing framework, which helps you make sure that what indeed you are putting on paper, something you'd actually enjoy. During there, we do, you know, like the full cover letter, resume, LinkedIn profile, all that jazz. Q2, implement the strategy. Q3 is the negotiation and offer letter phase. And then Q4 is you know, whatever issues that person has is usually at the very end of the process. And then if you've already accomplished that result of getting that extra new higher paying job, um, we help you grow as a leader, right? So then we just use those extra coaching sessions for leadership development or to help you to, you know, get promoted at your new job. And so that way there's no wasted coaching sessions. And so it's like, oh, they pay once. So that's why there's no waste. Yeah, that's exactly it. Cause it's like a one-time payment. Cool. Is the 30,000 that you discovered in the data, was that base pay or is that also like equity bonus? That's just the total, total comp. So it, cause not all people get set um, like extra, you know, equity or anything. And so equity isn't one of those things that is necessarily as guaranteed, right? But if there is like a signing bonus or if there's anything else that is more of like a guaranteed compensation, that is what we would include. And I know what you're saying. My equity is guaranteed. Yeah, but your equity changes. Like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like there's- eh. It's called market rates and yeah. they can't guarantee it. Yeah, I <laughs> know yeah, that's uh that was a really hard learning as I was becoming an adult with a real job, like a corporate job. Real, I'm not gonna say real, that's kind of like derogatory, but like it's corporate job. It's like you get in there and they're paying you your base pay, but the base pay is lower because the equity they can offer more shares. Um, but then you realize that the market sometimes tanks and it stays there for a while. <laughs> as it is now. <laughs> it's it's a rough place, but good to know. Um, moving through those steps. I'm assuming that you don't recruit then. They come to you. So it's kind of like they Google, they find some a program that works for them and they contact you and they get involved, right? It depends. So sometimes it's referrals. Sometimes it's through LinkedIn. Sometimes ah. I do. I part of this one 
platform that connects people who want coaching with coaches. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's through there as well. And other times it's through podcasts. So it's not like we just have one source of how people are finding that. Yeah. So everybody, if you need help being coached to increase your salary, you know where to go. And in that same vein, then it's hard to negotiate your salary. It's so daunting to just get in there and talk to your boss and tell them, hey, I would like more money. And this is why. To be honest, so I thought a lot about this. I was like, do we want to be... Do we want to focus on helping people get promoted or helping them get, you know, more compensation at their current job? And mm-hmm. uh, I decided against that. And that's because I can only offer the solution that will work for the most people. So they need to either move up in a position or leave the company. So what I know, like what Obviously, if there's a way to do it within the company that you work at, amazing. And we'll talk right. through that, right? But at the same time, the likelihood of that is pretty rare. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not normal to have an extra 30K within a year and staying at a company. And companies typically are not structured in a way where they can do that. I personally have done that through getting these promotions, right? Three in a, in a year, but that's like totally not the norm. And so like yeah. for me, that's a solution that's not the norm. I just can't be, you know, okay with that. So yeah, so we help you to get a new job during that one year period. It's important to know that getting a just a higher paying job is simply not enough if it does not meet the other criteria. Our differentiator is that we have the extra 30K through helping you get a new job, right? But if you, if it's not, you know, remote and you want remote, if it doesn't have the culture you want or doesn't allow you to have that work-life balance, then it's all for not. And so super intentional with everyone who joined our program. Yes, the higher paying element is super unique to our program. There's no other programs like it that I've ever seen. At the same time, we don't want to be so siloed and just focusing on just this one aspect. And so it's like, I kind of view it like you're going to a buffet. Most people don't realize you can have multiple parts of the buffet. Most people are just like, oh, I just want a job I enjoy. It doesn't matter if it's higher pain. Well, like you can have both, right? We're like, that is where we come in. We're like, yeah, like you can have a, do- a job that ha- that meets that criteria. There are thousands upon thousands of companies out there. It's simply about st- being strategic and knowing where to look. So that's truly how we do help our women. Right. Do you, are you an expert, you and your team experts in a certain field of work of like getting women into tech or um, what if they wanted to do this in nonprofits? Yeah, you could do this in nonprofits. So uh, the stats for women, 80% of them, when they join us, are already making six figures. So it's a certain echelon of women who who joins. Um, There are certain professions where I feel like it could be a little bit harder, right? But we would never accept someone into the program if we didn't feel we could deliver that result. Because we would never Uh. guarantee So not everyone is the right fit. Right, right. And that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And it will also take a lot of work on their end. So I understand like getting the fit, right? They are the ones doing the negotiating. You're just coaching them through it. It's not like you're going to get in the job interview with them, with their recruiter that's recruiting them. So yeah, it's really important to... um, understand, I would think that that person also is very intent on helping themselves too, right? Like, so it's not for everybody, but it's for a lot of people. I mean, who's going to say no to $30,000 more a year and happier work-life balance? And the big thing is that like, I think it's important to think about the big picture here because it's actually much more than just a 30k increase so 30k as stated average increase times 43 which is the average number of years someone in america works is 1.29 million so Mm -hmm. someone starts our program at the very beginning of their career i mean that's like 1.29 million 
no, we're not even taking into account compound interest. If they were to invest all that amount of money, we're not even taking into account raises or promotions because typically raises are based off of a percentage of what you're currently earning, right? So those raises would actually be increased as well. That's just purely the income increases if if someone joins our program at the very beginning of their career, which I just, that number is like, when I like Joe, when I'm like really tired, I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up there. I'm like, wait, one more two nine million. <laughs> Let's do it. You could retire on a damn yacht if you had that just like hanging out. That's amazing. And that's yeah. just such a good cushion to go into the rest of your life with. That's what is the what's the age demographic of these women? Yeah, so it is women primarily 25 and mm. above. Yeah, I would say, and I'd have to look up our most recent stats, but primarily like 25 to 50 is that like target. You yeah. see a lot of 25 to 40. That's like really. Yeah, that's, I'm really actually very proud of those 25 year old women that you're seeing. I would not have done something like this for myself at 25 to try to get coached. Interesting. Why is that? I just didn't have the wherewithal to understand personal value and that I would benefit from a career coach or a salary coach, um, you know, professional negotiators. And I kind of was just thinking, oh, if I earn it, they will see it and give it to me right? Like, I don't always have to ask. It's like, if I am doing a good enough job, I will be recruited to another company. It'll just work out for me. Um, I quickly learned within like a couple years of being 25 that that's not how it works. You do have to advocate for yourself and you need to get a different job to get well, paid it more. But yeah. It's so fascinating. I always used to think the best product wins. Like in capitalism, I used to always be like, oh, you know, like, the best microphone would always win out and always like sell the most. Mm-hmm. But that's also not the case. It's the product that is marketed the most effectively and that ha- and that backs up the claims it markets that wins. I bet you this is a Blue Yeti microphone. Blue Yeti is honestly, I'm thinking creme de la creme. There's probably a microphone that's even better than this that I don't know about because they don't have the same brand presence. The same is true for people. Right. If you don't know how to put yourself out there, market yourself through your resume, your LinkedIn, your cover letter, negotiate effectively, then you could actually be a way better fit for a role than the person that they choose. And this is like the thing that's so frustrating for me is like, I want the best people possible to be the ones who get the jobs. Like I literally want the people who are going to go in there and like completely transform that company where that company's revenue just like skyrockets because of the difference that these employees made. And they're not like, if, if these women, especially don't have the tools and don't really know how to make that impact and know how to even get in the door, then they're not going to change the world. Right. Yeah. And so passionate about this. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to be passionate about and women deserve it. We deserve to believe that we're worth it and deserve to understand how to market ourselves better. Plus it could just advocating for yourself in your career will lead to advocating for yourself in all aspects of your life. It's a confidence booster. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it's one of the things I thought a lot about marketing this at like, because I noticed that like the women once they're done with our program they're so much more empowered right it's like their relationships start to improve they start to lose the weight because they're not like overeating in order to numb a negative or a comfortable emotion like their lives start to truly transform and it's interesting I've thought long and hard and maybe someday you'll actually see that in our marketing it's because it does truly transform the person and the results are just like, it's crazy. Like it's, it's amazing what a woman can accomplish when she mm-hmm. believes in herself. No kidding. 
No kidding. Um, and more and more need to realize it and like more 25 year olds, like that's just amazing. So the, the, so you definitely, you cater all of your, your negotiations. I'm trying to like figure out exactly how to frame this question. So you cater all your negotiations, all of your coaching to the specific woman that you're working with. So like, obviously it's not a one size fits all because not every situation would be the same that they're trying to go into, right. Or that they're coming from salary wise. Do you have though, a few points that are like hard and fast rules that you see very consistently for women that you're coaching where it's like, oh, typically it's, this will get you this type of compensation, like this type of marketing yourself or this skill set, like, right. Like become a better data miner or what have you. Do you see any trends like that with the women that you coach? Oh yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about this and, uh, I'll answer your question kind of in a usual way. So specifically I've been thinking about how people earn more money and this could be regardless of gender. And these are the, the, what I've come up with so far. Number one, you change the boat you're rowing in tech consulting sales and entrepreneurship typically have, you know, the higher, <laughs> higher earning uh, potential. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. Number two, you increase your skill level. Number three, you more effectively package your skills. Think resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn profile. Number four, you strategically negotiate with confidence, which obviously is another thing we help a lot with. Number five, up-level personal characteristics. What I mean by this is, you know, if you're showing up to meetings late, if you're not you know, responding to emails in a timely manner. Like these are all considered personal characteristics that constantly need up-leveling. Um, next is foster an abundant money mindset. This is crucial. Here's like, if you go into a negotiation and you think that there's a limit on the money you can make, you're not going to earn more money. If you think it's hard to make money, you're not going to earn more money, mm-hmm. right? You need to really understand how your skills are going to be able to add immense value to that employer. And I would even quantify it. And that's another thing we work with our women to do is quantify the value that they're worth that employer, right? And foster an abundant mindset. A personal mantra of mine is making money is fun. I actually read that every morning and I firmly believe that. I think making money, making money is a lot of fun and you change a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And the last one is believe you're in demand, right? Like I inherently have the belief that I am wanted in this capitalist society that we live in. And because of that, I am results that prove that every single time besides my first job, but besides that, every single time I've accepted a job offer, I've had multiple job offers. And it's simply because I hold the belief I'm in demand. Right. And so if one employer is like, Oh, you know, we can't meet what you're looking for. I'm like, no worries. I'll find something. Yeah. 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 So don't, don't accept that. Just say, okay, thanks for your time. Yeah. I mean, and obviously negotiate. Yeah. And if they still are just, you know, it's just not, they, they just can't meet it. It's not, that's not an issue, you know? And when, because you have those options and like, that's one of the big things is like, we show our women as like, if you just, if you're, if you're not strategic about your approach, like if you just, maybe apply here or apply there, you know, or you do the spray and pray, which is where you just apply everywhere. And you're like, oh, I'm nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you're probably going to run into issues. But instead, if you're extremely strategic, you have a set, okay, I'm applying to these many places that meet this specific criteria. And then if one interview process is going a little bit longer, right? But the other one, they are speedy Gonzales. They're like, oh, the next interview is this Friday. Then the next one is next week. Like you got to slow down Mr. Speedy Gonzales and then speed up Mr. You know, slow as molasses. Right. And those are some of the tools or some of the skills we also teach our women. It's like, how do you pace? We call it landing the plane. (laughs) How do you effectively (laughs) land the plane? (laughs) because <laughs> planes are never like oh, we got like five passengers good enough to take off um, <laughs> no, like, yeah you know, all the passengers they're not like let's just stop in miami first before going to walk no no <laughs> we might have enough gas 
We're not sure, <laughs> but we're going to take off. <laughs> how many people that I'm like, find a few places and see what sticks. No, you know, just like find oh. a few places and quote unquote, see what sticks. This is your freaking life. This is 40 hours a week. Give yeah. me a break. Yeah. And not to mention the just, you know, passe, I'm going to just pass out my job application is not really how people get jobs anymore. They get jobs from networking and who they know and presenting themselves in a unique way. So here we are, ladies. Write all of this on the wall. Write it on your phone every morning when you wake up, you know, like tattoo it on your hand. Pick one of the, was there eight that you had? <laughs> yeah. Pick one of the eight. <laughs> And then put it there. Do you have, uh, to kind of like start to wrap it up since we're coming to time, do you have a, like one story that you just really love for a woman that you were able to help? I'm actually going to share a story. Like my sister was one of the first people who I helped. And this I hold like dear to me because I like love my sister and I have like three other sisters. So I love all of them, but this one, um, she became a recruiter after I told her recruiting is freaking amazing. You got to get on board. She became a recruiter, right? And I helped her to increase her comp. I'm not going to tell you the exact amount, but it was significantly more than that $38,000. And there was one tactic specifically that she implemented that forever changed the game. And it was the reversal. So the reversal, most people do what's called spilling your candy, which is where um, they're interviewing with somebody and let's just say you're interviewing me. It's like, oh, what's the sign range you're targeting? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm at 100K, but I'm targeting 130K or whatever. You're going to be like, eh, interesting, right? It's called spilling your candy. Like negotiation is a game of poker. So it's literally like, these are all my cards. You want to see them? No. But the reversal is this, right? So the recruiter goes, ooh, what salary range are you targeting? And then you pull out the reversal and you go, before I answer that, could you let me know the salary range for the role? Right? And then typically, this is when they'll let you know this. And right now in the U.S., in eight states, and this number is continuing to increase, they're mandating that employees do share this information, right? And here's the thing, if that person wants to say they don't tell you, then you whip out what's called a double reversal. And this is proprietary of the 30K program. This is where- <laughs> I love that. Right? You say, oh, what's all your range you're targeting? And then we go, and then um, I say, oh, you know, before I answer this question, could you let me know the salary range of the role? And then they say, oh, you know, I'm not really sure the salary range of the role because the hiring manager is still figuring out the exact range. And you say, no worries. Once you and the hiring manager solidify that range, just let me know. It's really important to me to have all the information up front before we move forward with the interview process. Bam! Bam! Bam. But, I mean, Mia, what if they come back and they're just like, oh, well, that's not going to work with us. Have a good life. Are you afraid that you'd get rejected upon pulling the double reversal? Is this? Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I've ever rejected someone for, for, for it twice. Good. And I hear a lot of men ask for it twice, and I almost never hear a woman ask for it at all. Okay. At the end of the day, and this is how I've always done it, I give them a rough range. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say the exact, but I'd say, well, you know, roughly within this range, I'm not saying for sure you would get this exact amount. I'm just saying roughly the range, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, the person is able to, you know, state whatever salary range they're targeting. And I always recommend, like, when you first get that number, it can be really helpful to actually say, this is super helpful. I'll follow up by email then with that with the exact range of targeting, right? So even once you do know that information, I mean, typically it's best to actually have even just a, at least a day or two to kind of think through and be like, okay, what am I targeting? Am I just asking for what's my base? Am I going to also ask for a bonus structure? And then really quick last note on that, um, the assumed close. Ugh. 
assumed clothes is that when you think the conversation I literally I get like dreamy eyed when I think of the assumed clothes it's just so great and like it's a sales tactic but you can easily use it in recruiting and the assumed clothes is where you could literally be like let's just say the hiring manager says oh okay it's like you know one thirty to one fifty k right mm-hmm. and you're like okay great what's the bonus structure interesting I didn't say is there a bonus structure I assumed that uh-huh. there was a bonus structure. and then if they're like oh actually there's not a bonus structure for this role is that important to you and you're like yeah based on the market de- research that I've done xyz 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 right oh baby the assumed clothes. <laughs> and let me just say anyone who has business assumed clothes oh, it's going to change your life it's like my favorite of the favorites I love that. And that kind of approach would work for other things too. Don't ask the question, state the question. It's basically, yeah. I love that. People don't ever even realize it too. Once you learn this stuff, I'm like, look, you got to use these tools for good. (laughs) I just like, I feel like there should be like a, you know. I was like about ready to like ruin my boyfriend's life with this stuff. Yeah. Not to mention my corporate life. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for your proprietary information share. I'm only (laughs) going to share it to the world. Don't worry. The secret's safe with us. (laughs) Uh, All right. So that was just like the perfect way for like an advice end. I love it. Where can people find you and enroll in the 30K program? Okay, so go to the30kprogram.com. You can also Google us. We're first on the search engine and schedule a consult call. And if you're a guy and you're like, this is so interesting, but obviously I'm a guy. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? Still go to the website anyways and download Master the Seven Seconds, which has job application best practices and resume samples from people who have worked at Google Microsoft and Airbnb. It's completely free of cost and it is, it is life-changing. Like, oh my gosh. So yes. Awesome. Well, Mia, thank you so much for your divine wisdom in the negotiation space. I think that this is going to be super valuable for everybody listening. Couldn't be more timely and your energy is contagious. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. It's been fun. All right. Well, imposters, then if you want to make $30,000 more a year, and yes, you can, and yes, you are capable, then listen to this again, and then contact Mia. Just rewind it all, contact Mia. And remember, discomfort is the currency of your dreams. You have to reach and step outside of what is comfortable to level up. She said that, and I wrote it down first, right in the interview, and just thought that's one of the best ways I've ever heard that explained. Discomfort is the currency of your dreams. It's so applicable. It means a ton wrapped up in only a few words. I encourage you to go for it. Just go for it. If this episode resonated with you, please like subscribe and share it because I'm sure that there's other people in your life, especially women that really need to hear this right now. As we said in the intro, this is a really hard time for lots of people. And as we are navigating this new world, as people are navigating, trying to find new jobs, your actual self-worth might be put on the back burner for a lot of people, and it's about survival right now of getting that next job. I understand that feeling, but just know that there's a lot of people in your corner that believe that you do deserve to be well compensated, even if you really need a job. And Mia is here to help people get there and help people realize that and in a year or less, gain $30,000 more. What else could you possibly need? to kick your career further in gear. I don't know. You tell me. You tell her. But could probably make it happen. Just make the phone call. Make that email. I have been and always shall be your friend. All right, friends. So your trivia today 
I was curious, since we talked so much about women and their typical pay structures, how they make less than men uh, on average, how, you know, Mia is actively fighting against that. And I was curious, who is the wealthiest woman in the world? The wealthiest woman in the world is a French entrepreneur and billionaire heiress, Francoise Betancourt Myers. She's a member of the Betancourt family. She is a writer, musician, philanthropist, and her net worth, get this, her net worth is 74.8 billion US dollars. Oh, Francoise, get it, girl. So stoked on that. I am really happy that you were here today. Thank you so much for listening. Please share, share, share if you liked what you heard. If you like other episodes, please get the word out. I thank you very much for doing so. If you are interested in being a guest and you have a great story to tell, please get in touch, ynqpod at gmail.com. That's Y-N as in Nancy, qpod at gmail.com. Also, we'll link all of my socials below and Mia and where to get in touch with her and some of the things that we talked about today, links to those resources. And I will see you again very soon. Thanks for being here and thanks for listening. See you next Thursday. Bye.